This is When Spirit Calls, and you on your journey are in the right place. This show is about magic, miracles, and meaning shared through stories, interviews, and channeled messages. We have so much to share about who you are and your divine mission here on the earth. Let's get to it. When Spirit Calls is right now. It's another episode of When Spirit Calls, and today our guest is Ian Hawkins. Ian is the founder and host of The Grief Code. Dealing with grief firsthand with the passing of his father back in 2005, planted a seed in Ian to discover what personal freedom and legacy truly are. This experience was the start of his journey to heal the unresolved and unknown grief that were negatively impacting every area of his life. Trusting his own intuition led him to leave corporate and follow his purpose of creating unity for himself and others. The grief code is a divinely guided process that enables every living person to uncover their unresolved and unknown grief and dramatically change their lives and the lives of those they love. Thousands of people had made peace with their past and freed up their future following this process of the grief code. So happy to have Ian on our show today. Oh my goodness, we're back again with another awesome episode of When Spirit Calls, and I am so happy to have another man on the show. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dave. How are you? (laughs) I'm so good. I'm so good. You know, I've been really wanting to bring in more masculine energy, more men to the mix, because I know we have a lot of male listeners out there, and I want to be able to kind of connect some dots for them too, and really ensure that they don't feel alone. So I'm so happy that you're here today. And not only are you here, but you're on the other side of the world. So uh, I thank you so much for taking the time to come and be with us today. Thank you. You are so welcome, Dee. It's great to be here. I love these conversations. Uh, so do I. And we're going to get right into things because I know that you and I can probably chit chat on this stuff forever. We're probably going to have to have like a part two. But, um, <laughs> you know, I want to kind of get everyone going. They learned a little bit about you in the bio. But, you know, can you can you start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your story uh, and and some ideas of when spirit called you because I know you get called by spirit often. So I'd love to hear the backstory. Yeah, and I get uh, the tingles and goosebumps as soon as you say that. Like so, yes, they often get that connection. So, and speaking of those um, tingles, the first time I can consciously remember was we were uh, so Haley's comet. I think was nineteen ninety eight, nineteen eighty eight, eighty eight. So I would have been. Actually, it could have been before that. I would have been about, don't worry about the maths. Anyway, I was a teenager. <laughs> you were younger. So, you were younger then, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in a in a Christian family, going to church and Sunday school and all those sorts of things. Now, I don't recall like being called by spirit at any time in that. I'm sure as I look back, there'll be something. But I do distinctly remember this moment. We're going to look at Haley's Comet. The idea was that it was going to be close to Australia at these different times, but thankfully for us, we went up the mountains away from the city lights when it was early on in its contact, and it turned out it ended up being the best time to view it. But I just remember on that drive to where we were going to view, just looking up at the sky and just being overcome by what what is all this? Like... I'm trying to understand everything. And I just got these full body goosebumps and tingles 
of confirmation. And that, that moment has never left me because oh. it's like there's something else going on. And, and even like a really quick one last night, I was listening to some, some pretty deep uh, stuff around, you know, that sort of space. And um, I'm walking past a street light. This is about 10.30 at night. And the light turns off as I walk underneath it. And I'm already, I'm already freaking out. The light turns off and I'm like, okay, thank you. And I keep walking. And I look back about 10 meters and, of course, it's turned. The stuff, uh, yeah, I love it. Oh, my gosh. So it turned off and then you walk your feet and then it turns back on, does it yeah, thing, yeah. right? Like yeah. how amazing and, is that? Yeah, and we can get caught into reading too, too much into signs. But it was, again, it was the goosebumps I got as – that happened that was the confirmation for me that there's there's a message there um so that's the first uh, example that I, that I can think of and then the the real like reconnection to that has been since in 2005 since my dad passed me questioning everything questioning mm-hmm. everything about my life and and specifically sitting there at his funeral just thinking like wow listen to all these wonderful things people are saying about him um he was well connected in the church community and his school community where he taught um the local community some of my best friends growing up like they said to me it was like losing their dad like he he had that sort of impact on people and i just remember sitting there going like what have i done with my life like mm-hmm. what would people say and i didn't like what i heard even though that was probably looking through the lens of quite a traumatized traumatized life Right. It was still like, okay, I've got to be better here. And then you go on a path of asking questions and discovering different ideas and knowledge that has been hidden from you from from such a young age and then rediscovering all of those things and going through the healing process. And then as soon as you start healing, you have a reconnection to what really has already been there, that instinctive, that intuitive side and that connection to spirit oh my gosh you know i i love that your dad gave you such a gift and i i know you can appreciate it when i say that because you know even that process of losing him but yet seeing how much of an impact he had um you know even though it might have sent you down that rabbit hole of like what have i done with my life and i better get my shit together I, at the same time, it was that inspirational piece. It was that, you know, okay, there's way more here and yeah. I've got to, I've got to pay attention and I've got to start making changes and start doing those things. So yeah. it's so beautiful that he left you with that. To me, that's like a big, bright, shiny gift. Yeah. And and I talk a lot about grief in my work, which we'll get into, I'm sure, but being able to come to that realization of the gift in any grief is the moment where everything changes mm-hmm. because yes, it'd be great to have him back and I'd love to be able to give him a hug, but would I change where it's taking me? Right. No, because I, I couldn't go back to how things were. I couldn't go back to living that life. Yeah, exactly. I love that this has led you into the work that you're doing now And so, you know, obviously not only your dad guiding you, but other aspects of your journey have guided you. And I know how intuitive you are. You know, you've got this great wizard energy about you, uh, which I adore. So let's talk a little bit about grief because, 
you know, I think oftentimes it's an elephant in the room. <laughs> I think you yeah. probably know what I'm talking about there. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been moving through a lot of grief as well in my life. Um, you know, had the loss of a, a person who I loved very dearly uh, about a year ago. And I realized the grief still comes up. And I, you know, for me, I'm a mover and a shaker. I get things done. I move on. I don't, I don't wallow for very long. That's just my personality. But I find that this grief shows up at the most freaking inopportune times, Ian. Why does it come up when you're just like, are you effing kidding me? Like, I, I, I'm busy right now. I don't have time for this. Every so, time. You know, yeah, right. So I'm, I'm curious to just hear kind of your story about grief and how you kind of came to this understanding of like, oh, wait a second, I'm supposed to help people around grief. You know, what was that process like and um, and your experience with grief? Yeah, absolutely. So I started asking better questions. So you said before, like having that impact around like what a gift from my dad, like that kept giving. Like I remember I was in my job still and just walking through the boring you know, open plan office and just going, I keep telling people that I love my job, but I don't. Like it's a great place to work, but I don't love it. And and I'm happy that I'm happy, but I'm but I'm really not. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, what needs to be different? So you ask questions and then you get sort of mixed responses. So you ask better questions and then you get better responses. So my, well, the big catalyst was when we had the global financial crisis. Okay. It was hearing that in Australia we have a superannuation scheme, so a retirement scheme, and that one of my relatives' fathers wasn't retiring because his superannuation had crashed with the markets. And I'm like, hang on, that that can't be. It, it can't be that we are at the mercy of these external forces when we've done all this work towards, you know, mm -hmm. retirement, right? Because I was still living that dream of, you know, we get to retirement and then life will be great. That, oh, that right. Yeah, yeah. Illusion. I'll be happy when. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be happy yeah. when. Exactly. So it's interesting you, see, you use that, oh, I'll be happy when, because one one of the – I got introduced to um, and my first proper mentor from my brother, and he did the best thing a sibling could. He just said, oh, check this guy out. Here's his link. Um, I know him personally. He didn't try and push me in a direction. He just had to have a look and say what you think. And so when I, just a, a small bit about spirit, I later when I started learning about numerology and I just knew that that email would have come on November 11, 2011 at around 11 o'clock. And I got, oh again, I got the, the tingles of confirmation. I got goosebumps <laughs> just as you're saying it. Yeah. yeah. Went back to find the email and yeah, it was like just after a, just after it was about quarter past 11 on the 11th 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 and uh that email changed my life because i, I met my first mentor and he, that was one of his big things i'll be i'll be happy when and i was very much living that like that and i know a lot of people are I'll just get to this next thing and everything will be good but of course it's not mm -hmm. now where did i find out about grief one of the first activities was to write these letters of forgiveness to the people who you feel have done you wrong, not for them, but for you. So the closest people to you and writing anything and everything. So I'm writing these small paragraphs for all these people in my life. And then I'm about two and a half pages into this letter to my dad and I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, oh, 
maybe there's some stuff here I mm. haven't dealt with. And now he's gone and I can't resolve them. Mm. So I went about trying to resolve them. And so I went through that program and it was a complete life changer. And I'm like, wow, it was a big, it was a big shift to invest that much money in myself and, and stars aligning how, how I, how I actually got my wife on board to, to, for us to do that was one of those divine moments. And we, that's probably another story for another day, but then it's like, if this is what we've got from investing two and a half thousand dollars, what are we going to get if we invest more in ourselves? Mm. And so I was like, wow. Now that did lead to some mistakes. Like the next investment was, I think it was 13,000. And I got some amazing stuff out of that, but not what I wanted. And it was probably the wrong thing, but I was a bit caught up in the, uh, you know, in the next thing, next thing. But the, the gift then is you think you're going on this journey to help other people. So then I started to learn more about coaching, learn more about healing, all of this work. Turns out I was really healing myself. Right. And uh, I went on this business in inverted commas uh, retreat in Bali, 2013. Well, we did a bit of business, but that was really a, a healing adventure. I'll say adventure. So visiting healers that cured my children's whooping cough with very strange practices that they still traumatized by, like literally <laughs> chewing up herbs and spitting on their neck. <laughs> but the whooping cough was gone within no time, <gasps> something that lasts for eight weeks, right? <laughs> right. Um, but then I went to see a, a living angel and I had the most incredible moments with my dad through this incredible woman. Wow. And... A lot of healing, a lot of dry reaching, but then also she handed me this staff. And at the moment she handed me the staff, I was standing on a mountain in front of thousands of people, mm. and I got completely overwhelmed, like I was shaking because it was like so overwhelming that there were that many people. And then I get urged to look to the left, and I look to the left, and the same amount of people is there as well. And then I look to the right, and there's the same amount there, and I'm like like fully like this it's too much too much and then look behind you so i'm standing on a mountain and there's people in 360 degrees like wow. thousands and thousands of people and part of me at that moment knew that that was a look into the future mm. and again the goosebumps yeah. and then i've had that same reading given to me by a number of people uh you included um <laughs> <laughs> about what that future looks like so the oh, and the other thing in Bali, probably the most important thing of that as well, was the going to the the fountains up in the mountains where they have the holy waters come through, and and there's a whole lot of different fountains. And for for some of them, I just you know the water washed over me, great. For one of them, it was like I just wept uncontrollably, and I didn't want to leave. Mm. And then the next one that had an impact, I just was shaking. Like I was just shaking, like it was a recalibration, I guess. And yeah. then the third one that had an impact, it was just euphoric. And I did not want to leave because it was the most incredible feeling that I've ever felt. And I came out of that just going, what just happened? Like what on <laughs> earth was that? What's in that water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, is it the water? Is it 
being in Bali, which is a highly energetic place, is that I was really ready, all of the above, who knows? Like, and and uh, people questioned me like the, with the with the all of the visions I had with the angel. Oh, did you take um, did you take hallucinogens? Did you did they give you anything to eat? All these things. Well, maybe I don't believe so. But does that matter? Like, the, I had the experience that I had, mm-hmm. and through the other side of that, and then learning to to be a coach that used these intuitive practices. Then I had another big moment of grief, which was. One of my staff members when I was in corporate, I had a team of about 30 and this young fella was the one who needed it the most and embraced it the most. And he was pushing himself hard, pushing himself hard. And he was like, he wrote me the most beautiful letter that I've still got about the impact that I had in his life. Mm. He died suddenly at the end of a fun run and fun run that I ran in and, and Mm. that afternoon, like we had the most amazing day. Like I didn't, um, hadn't organised to meet him up with him or anything like that, but then get a call later that night that he's as he crossed the finish line, he passes away with a, some sort of heart problem. Now, in television, you can't just get a hold of attempts to come in and replace what you do. It's a specialised role, and the TV has to be on the next day. And we're in sports television, so it's not just put something on. So our whole team had to come in. So. That's just one of the hardest days of my life. And again, because of my deep rooted feeling of responsibility for other people. So I'm not just in massive grief and huge guilt because like I've pushed this kid too far, but also managing all my staff who had to go through all of this, um, this day of work. So we didn't, we barely spoke a word, we just said to everyone, well, they, they took us into a meeting room at first, get done the bare minimum you need to get done for tomorrow and then let's get out of here. Mm. And um, my boss came to me and said, you know, this is not your fault. Now, I don't know how he knew that that's what I was feeling because he wouldn't have been aware of the depth that I'd been coaching Chris. But I said to him, "What?" which is true of grief, I said, I know that logically, Mm. but it's not what I'm feeling. Was probably a year or two later. I got a had a session with a kinesiologist who was a lot. He had a lot more going on than that. But when I told him that story, he's like, "Oh, we probably should have dealt with that a while before." Because I was basically holding back in fear of that happening again at an unconscious level. I I was I blocked my business from growing. I wasn't helping people at the level I could have because of because the, the last person that really embraced what I did dies. Right, of course. Yeah, but then again, that gift and the grief, the, the coming to that realization that the journey is the journey. Maybe Chris had everything he needed in life. Maybe he got everything he wanted. Yeah. He 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 had social anxiety, so he was really shy, and then come out the other side of that, he's he's confident, realizing he's actually just an introvert that needs time alone. He's mm-hmm. he's got himself a partner. And he's got so many wonderful things in his life. He's changed a relationship with his parents. He's building some other stuff. And it's like, yeah, then, and then he's gone. And and then if, I know we're, we're trying to keep it shorter today. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just say this, that other moments of grief in my life have presented as I've gone on my own healing journey. Yeah. A girl that I was seeing at the end of high school who passed away, like we were, like it was a bit of an on and off thing. Um, yeah. 
but I just hadn't dealt with that at all. Like, right. in fact, I just completely, I actually remember saying to my mum, why are you, why are you um, making a big deal about this? Like <laughs> receiving the call when my, my grandfather passed away when I was only, you know, a teenager and just feeling, again, feeling the weight of that, like why me? Well, it was meant to be me. Yeah. Um, and then other moments like when my brother came home from hospital and that disconnect from my parents and, yeah, moment after moment of, of loss and grief and and then as you know, as you know now these intuitive abilities come that I not only can help other people navigate through their grief in a really effortless and euphoric way, I'm I can see in their body, like I've even I can't not see it. Even today talking to you, there'd be moments when you were talking about different things from your experience where I'm like, oh, there's still some stuff there. Of course yeah. there is. We all do. Yeah. So I literally can see, and it doesn't mean that I, I get exactly what it is. That's the beauty of it. The person can work through whatever they're working through without having to talk about it if they don't want to. Now, there is power in talking about it, but it just helps. It allows me to help them navigate to what it actually is, not what they think it is. Because uh-huh. I thought it was like the grief of loss of my dad passing, but it was actually, it's a tsunami of everything that came after that, which is all of my unresolved stuff with him, the feeling of disconnect, not getting my needs met at the level I wanted, not having him giving me more time in a way that I needed, all of those things. And that's what I'm able to help other people with now. And and just thinking about it now is like ultimately I was one of five children and I, I was always felt like the one that was left out, right, the black sheep. Mm-hmm. And often I would intuitively, not realising that at the time, I would pick a fight to help everyone to release whatever their emotional stuff they had going on. And then remember sitting in my bedroom, they'd be all happily in the, in the lounge room watching TV together. I'd be sitting in my bedroom crying going, why did I even get involved in that? Uh, and just not understanding why I would do that, but now having a real understanding that I was healing back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, first of all, this is so beautiful. And I thank you so much for sharing this, these vulnerable kind of stories and these losses that you've had, because, you know, I think a lot of us do carry, you know, um, guilt and shame, um, you know, when we lose people. You know, the the person who I love dearly who passed away just over a year ago, I even sent him a message because I had premonitions of his death. So I sent him an email and I said, please don't do this thing because something's not feeling right. I know you think my stuff's really weird, but I have to tell you this. And he chose not to listen anyway and 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 died as a result. And so, um, you know, part of me was like, oh, I should have done more. You know, I went through that process too of like, you know, I should have done more, blah, 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 blah. You know, we get caught up in that. And you said something really powerful. You said, logically, I know I'm not responsible, but that's not how I feel. Yeah. And that statement was really powerful for me because, and I hope it is for the listeners too, because I think oftentimes what we know logically and what we feel are two different things. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. and then we feel like we're doing something wrong because we feel this way when logically we shouldn't feel this way. And then we get caught up in this cesspool or whatever we want to call it. So then not only is there grief there to deal with, there's resentment and there's anger and there's self doubt. And there's like, 
all of these other things that show up. So I really love that you said that. I also really loved that you started asking questions as part of you moving through the process. And I want to bring that to the surface for people because I think that this asking questions and being curious is a really powerful tool for us to say, hey, I noticed something there. What is that really about? You know, and start kind of digging a little bit. And we have a lot of resistance to doing that, right, Ian? I think we're all just afraid what's on the other side. A hundred percent. And I'm glad you raised that because so many people think, oh, if I start asking questions, I start digging, I might find something that I don't like, or I might find something really, really dark and wish I hadn't uncovered it. Yeah. From my experience, and I've had people challenge me on this, but yes, some people have been through some awful trauma. They're the things that they're aware of. Yeah. But the thing that you're scared might be there is never the thing you think it is. We create this whole meaning and picture of of what might have happened. We create all these different stories and possibilities. The reality is that 99.9999% of times, someone said something or did something, some sort of behavior when you were between in the womb to two or three, and to keep yourself safe, your body, your mind reacted in a certain way. And then that pattern gets reinforced again and again and again. And then we get to adulthood and then something happens and we react and we go, oh, why do I, there must be something wrong with me. Like what happened to me that I would behave in such a way so consistently? No, like it's, it's generally, it's just a behavior pattern that's repeated. Now, now granted that there will be some things that maybe we discover and, and I look at it this way. If there's something there, if you continue to bury it, it's going to find a way out. It will show up in illness. It will show up in injury. It will show up in relationship challenges, yeah. work challenges. You, you'll, you'll get the message. Life will throw, keep throwing things at you until you get the message. That's right. And when you address these things, every single time you'll be better on the other side. Yes. Every single time you will be every better on the time. other side. I think that's so important because, you know, I, I kind of kind of compare it to like holding secrets, you know, when, when you have a secret and you're holding on to that secret and it's almost like the secret acts holds you hostage, you know, it's like, Oh, or somebody who tells a lie and then wants to keep the lie going. And then you get caught up in that. It's like the same thing when we're not dealing with our grief, when we're not dealing with these low vibration energies or these traumas, it it's going to come to the surface eventually and it's yeah. not going to be as convenient as it would be if you chose to go there. Do you know what I yes. mean? hundred percent. And I think that's, I think that's something important for us to really come to recognize that like, if you deal with it, if you fess up to it, if you tell the secret, if you um, create honesty, if you deal with the stuff that's been like, you know, heavy weighting you down, if you, face it, if you confront it, if you have the courage to say, wait a second, that wasn't actually the thing, or this is what I need to look at, then all of a sudden, that's when the magic happens. Absolutely. And what you said there, you've you've nailed it. You take control back of your life by you addressing it. Otherwise, life will throw it at you. 
Now, yeah. whether you believe that's from God, from spirit, the universe, or just that's how life works, right? Yeah. There's something sitting within you that your unconscious brain will look to find solutions to. And usually you don't, if when you don't pay attention to those solutions, when they show up, they send you bigger solutions. That's right. Yeah. So take back control of your life and say, I'm going to make a commitment to, to address these things or life will address them for you. Yeah. And it's the, the statement I heard a while back, and it's so true. People would rather die and be right. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, they'd rather not admit that maybe there was another way, that maybe what, what life was throwing at me or maybe my friend who emailed me was telling me. Yeah. They'd rather go, no, no, I'm, I'm right about this and I'll keep going down this path. Right. Well, it doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, isn't it's so intriguing to me. It's so it, it, what a powerful thing uh for us to do though is to look at those deeper layers and for us to explore and I think we need to have more conversations about this because I think so many people are held hostage by these energies. And if we even look scientifically, I mean, nature is as part of its evolution, it naturally gets rid of the weaknesses. So it will bring to the surface experiences to remove those weaknesses naturally. But oftentimes that's going to be even more painful rather than you choosing to remove those weaknesses. And not to say, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that these grief is a weakness per se, but the thinking that we have around the grief oftentimes is, if that makes sense. And yeah. so it's natural for us to um, just by nature to get rid of the weakness energy. If, if we just carried on in life, yes, it, it, the evolution would, would transpire. However, if we choose to do it, then it reminds us that we're the co-creators. It reminds yes. us that we have the ability to choose how we respond to every experience, to every situation, to every energy that comes up. And as soon as we do that, we begin to alchemize that energy. And I think you're a master alchemist in how you perceive grief. So I, I know there's like so many stories here, but I, I want to give our audience some takeaways here as it relates to perhaps grief or, you know, their process. You know, you already said ask questions and ask better questions as you go. But is there other things that we can do as we move through this grief, as we decide to be courageous and say, I'm going to face it. I'm going to look at the thing that's showing up and I, I want to deal with it. What are the things that you would tell people that they need to know? Yeah. You talked before about the questions, a really powerful exercise is, is the written word. So get yourself a, a really nice book that you want to write in and write what's going well, write what's not. Uh, hold yourself to account, but then also ask yourself questions. One of the, you know, the, uh, the t when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. Uh, my first mentor, I remember emailing him, I reckon I've listened to all of your stuff. What else can you send me? Now he goes, oh, um, I don't know if I've got anything more. Just, you know, keep digging. You'll find some more of my stuff. But then, of course, the next day he emails out to his newsletter that small clip from Jim Rohn. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And the where was i heading with this what was the question you asked the, the written word you were talking about the, the written word yeah. the written word and then jim Rohn. i started listening to again and again and again uh -huh. and one of the things he talked about was the power of journaling and how he's kept a personal inventory his whole life and he keeps them all and he gets to see how far he's come and the unconscious brain loves certainty 
Right. So if you have any grief and you're not sure, then write questions in your journal mm. because it becomes truth. The unconscious mind goes, I want to find answers yeah. to that for you. Yeah. And you have new moments, uh, new awareness, new evidence, new incredible synchronicities when you're like, am I on some sort of reality TV show? That's just a bit too good to be a coincidence. It's like, no, no, that's just what happens when you take control of of yeah. what it is. So, yeah. so journaling, a big one. I love uh, it. It's such a great manifestation tool as well. Yeah. So as you write the questions, then all of a sudden the answers show up in different forms, right? And the universe, it, it does respond when we ask. <laughs> Absolutely. And then when we're looking at like, well, okay, grief, what we want to change. Well, we have to get clear on what we want life to be like. Mm-hmm. So up until that point, my, before my dad's passing, I just kind of drifted along with the breeze. I joked yeah. with people, oh, I'll let you know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. And I kept joking about that because I didn't really know. And I just let life just drift me wherever it wanted to go. And of course, that's mm-hmm. not fun. So having a vision for your future, again, that first mentor, have your dream journal, have impossible dreams, mm-hmm. and then go back to them regularly because as soon as you start growing, you realize that what you put as a dream then, what well, you know, like what was I thinking that was important? <laughs> but then also you consistently realize that you're t- still playing too small. Yeah. Now I know you've got some big visions for the future, Dee, but I'm sure you've had moments like that too, right? Where you're like, where you come to this realization, you go, oh, I'm actually, yeah, this is still too small. I've got to go bigger. Right. And so having that, yeah, having that clarity of what it is that you want and then what needs to change, again, asking those questions, then that invites in the space and the that manifestation that you talked about yeah. to be able to find the answers. And then you have those moments like, business trips to Bali that end up being healing trips because you let go of trying to control the outcome. You've got your dream. You, you know you've got your vision for the future and so much of the rest of it just tends to sort itself out. You know, it really does as long as you're willing to like lean in, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a leaning in and that manifestation piece, you know, uh, you know, people have talked about like, oh, no, I just let things kind of just – show up for me it's like yeah but if you don't have an idea of what you want to show up the universe can't it, it it's limited in how much it can help you you know that god creator again whatever you use universe it's it, it's there to serve us to support us to guide us along the way and if we are not willing to engage in that process then in a way we, we, well, we can slow the manifestation process down or we can, you know, get ourselves kind of playing small, like you said. And I think this whole idea of dreaming is so powerful. Um, and I don't know if you, if you watch said guru, but said guru is another wonderful, um, kind of philosopher yogi. And he says, I don't want all your dreams to come true. If all your dreams come true, life ceases to exist. The idea is that we always have dreams to strive for. And so you have a dream, you get to that dream, and then you have the next dream and the next dream and the next dream and the next dream. And you're continually upgrading the dream and the possibilities that exist within that dream. And so, you know, it's about having the dream. My wish for you is to have a dream, you know? Absolutely. And 
having the dream beyond the dream. If you just get to the dream, like more momentum stops. Okay, great, I've got that. Now what? And then you've got to sort of build again. It's like, no, no, have when this happens, then what? And then yeah. what? And then what? So that the I momentum that. just continues. And and I guess the other thing that comes to mind, we're talking about spirit. It's then you're able to connect to divine will, free will, and divine will. So what whatever divine means to you, the universe, God, your higher self, there there is a part of you that is meant to do certain things, and and I believe that. Yeah. And the more you can connect to that, the more joy you'll get out of life. The more fulfillment you will get out of life. The more you will feel a sense of purpose and. Ultimately, we want to feel connected to the most important people in our life. Mm. And that's a big part of having that dream. Like we can have all these big dreams about business and a career and all these different things, but the most important thing in there was my own well-being, my own health, my own relationship with my wife, with my kids and friends and family. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean there's not rocky roads through that as you peel back the layers together, but everything improves. And I I look back from a physical perspective, I was so physically broken from years of punishing myself, and that's probably another grief story, (laughs) um, through sport, through alcohol, through just all sorts of craziness, avoidance tactics. Yeah. Uh, And I wanted to have my body free and clear and energized and healthy because I'd been told you can't run anymore because of you know the, all the breaks in your feet and your ankle, and I'd, I was in orthotics for my feet, and and I had a back old back injury from falling out of a couple of trees. I had a birth defect in my in my back. All of these different things that would can't lift heavy weights. You can't do that. That trip to Bali, my 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 teacher, she said, like, "What do you mean? I can just change my belief?" She's like, "Yeah." I went, okay. So I went, okay, well, I want to be able to run and I want to be able to go back and play football. I want to play basketball again. I want to be able to play golf. Well, I couldn't pivot my whole back. So golf's pretty limited when you can't turn. Yeah. But I had so many compensations built up in my spine. So I just continue to peel back the layers. I don't have orthotics now. I actually bare feet quite often. Um, I, I, I rarely get pain. And when I do, it's like, okay, there's something to pay attention to. Now to the physical elements of like what that's done for me the mental strength i now have the the emotional ability to emotionally regulate and that spiritual connection that comes from having that dream all of those things i could my my book's just over there i could get it out and i'll show you all the different things that i asked for in terms of my body and how that's unfolded the relationship with my wife now that continues to get better and you just think man can it get better than this and yes it can because there's more layers to peel back I and love that children. question. And, and yeah, and I mean, as a result of my grief, that there have been challenges that my children have had and, and from my wife as well. Like we we create more patterns in them, but that also gives them an opportunity to to heal through that and yes. uncover wonderful gifts and and their own purpose to be able to pass on. Like there's a there's a certain guilt that we have around our children going, Oh, what a growth and you know, the impact of those of those first years on on children's lives. Like you, you then realize that, oh no, well, okay, I've done a heap of damage, but don't buy into that idea that, you know, everything's formed from before they're six. No, no, you can, you can help them create even more magic through that lens that they've had through right. their own grief. 
You know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we always are showing up the best that we can in every given moment, the best that we know how in every given moment. And that gives us some grace, doesn't it? And some compassion. And it also allows us to recognize that we needed to show up in that experience for whatever reason for them too, right? And I think that even just that is powerful in itself. So, okay, listen, we know that grief manifests in the body. Um, We know that a lot of these low vibration energies and the things that we're not confronting, you know, these things show up physically for us. And, and so you have created something really special to help people to move through this grief so that we're not having to not just have emotional discomfort, spiritual discomfort and mental discomfort, but the physical too. So um, I know you've got a little something to be able to send our guests off with. So do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so I created the grief code, the grief code framework to help people to navigate their grief and, and be able to identify what's going on. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. Like if you look up someone like Louise Hay and she talks about, you know, the body is always talking to you. This is the the list of the things that have been most relevant for me and for my clients. So, for example, if something's going on with your lower back in that sort of, um, you know, just above the pelvis or around the pelvis area, well, then there's some challenges around giving and receiving, around money, around uh, or intimacy. Because it's yeah. our our ultimate place of creation, right? Right. Yeah. And so, okay, what behavior is showing up? And then there's some ideas of the sort of behavior patterns that might be showing up. Awesome. Transitional love, transactional love instead of unconditional. Ah. Um, different different um, challenges around money. All these different things. So, yeah. so the framework is because you learn in personal development really quickly that so many people have ideas that they want to tell you this is the way. This framework allows you to navigate your own way awesome. through a framework that helps you to understand what's going on. You take what makes sense and you leave what doesn't. Yeah. But it will help you realize that, okay, this is what's playing out. This is also the behavior. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just showing me the next layer. And then, okay, on the other side of that, well, then what steps can I start taking? Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So we're going to, that's an ebook that everyone can have access to. We're going to put that in the show notes. Ian, uh, oh my gosh, I love spending time with you. And I love uh, I love hearing some of your stories and your lessons along the way. Uh, there's so much here. I, I don't even I don't even think I can recap it today because there is just so much. Ask questions, journal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, there, I mean, there's just so, so much here, but you know, it has been such a gift and pleasure. So thank you for coming in and sharing with us. And uh, for those of you listening, I hope that this has landed for you. I hope that this will help you to maybe lean in and confront some of your grief or some of the things that maybe you have buried away uh, that need to come to the surface with your choosing, with your power of your free will. Ian, Thank you so much for getting up early and being with us today. You are so welcome, Dean. Thank you so much. I love these conversations. I love these conversations with you. And uh, I'm also looking forward to having you on my podcast in the future so we can talk some more. Yay, I can't wait. (laughs) All right. So bye, everybody, for now. We'll be with you again on the next episode of When Spirit Calls. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. So happy you could join us today. 
And we hope that you found comfort and inspiration with wherever you are at right now. If you feel you received a gift in today's message, please pass that gift along to a loved one by sharing this episode with them. To continue this conversation, please join me at rosehope.ca. And when you do, be sure to access your free gift by signing up for the When Spirit Calls newsletter. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon.